This is a Socialist News and Views special interview. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special interview. Yeah, so on Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. you want to just tell folks who you are? Uh, my name is John Gold. For the past 20 years, I've been an advocate for 9-11 justice. I've supported 9-11 family members that are seeking truth, accountability, and justice. I've supported 9-11 first responders um, that were sick and dying uh, to, to get health care. Um, and I'm just somebody who, you know, continues to try and bring uh, the fact that we were lied to about 9-11 to the public light, you know, to make it so that when people are talking about 9-11, they recognize that we were lied to about that day. People who wrote about, write about post 9-11 world issues should acknowledge that, um, so that's something I work on, but it's difficult because people like Glenn Greenwald and all the other people who, who used to write good articles, I thought, right, you know, never, never jumped on the bandwagon for 9-11. And, you know, we, we used to hear, and I'm sorry, I guess I got out of my bio and into something else. Well, I mean, I was just going to say, you know, when. And maybe that's kind of what you're getting at. But, you know, sometimes when people hear 9-11 truth or even hear, yeah, we were lied to about 9-11, they think, you know, conspiracy theories or crackpot ideas or something like that. But I remember, you know, after September 11th, there was, you know, lots of discussion about many aspects, including, um, you know, George Bush failing to act on intelligence. I remember them talking about, you know, he only liked really short one page briefs on any information. He didn't want to read too much. You know, there was whistleblowers that came forward to talk about mishandling of information by the government before the attacks. And, you know, you've interviewed, you know, you've interviewed some of these folks previously. Can you just talk about, you know, well, some of those conversations and then about, um, you know, why you think it's, you know, it's kind of devolved into this idea that it's all conspiracy theories today or whatever. Um, sure. I did a show for Cindy Sheehan's soapbox. It was called, we were lied to about nine 11. I interviewed 31 people and, they were, I tried to interview what I thought were the best of the best. Mm -hmm. People that didn't put forward theories and, and such. People that put forward real information mm -hmm. that showed we were lied to about 9-11. And I spoke to such people as Colleen Raleigh, who was Times 2002 Person of the Year. Uh, she was on the cover along with two other whistleblowers because whistleblowers were the people of the year that year. Right. Um, you know, for bringing to light attention and in, in, uh, information within the FBI. Um, I spoke to Thomas Drake, who he's, um, I wrote his bio down because it's important to understand who he is. Mm -hmm. Thomas Drake is a former senior ex executive with the National Security Agency, uh, a United States Air Force and Navy veteran. CIA intelligence analyst, 
computer software expert and whistleblower. While at the NSA, he blew the whistle on a multi-billion dollar programmatic fraud, waste, and abuse, the critical loss and cover-up of 9-11 intelligence, government wrongdoing, and a dragnet electronic mass surveillance and data mining program conducted on a vast scale by the NSA with the approval of the White House after 9-11. You know, they used the Espionage Act from 1917 to bring that man down. Right. Um, you know, and, and now during my show with him, he revealed to the world that Dick Cheney had a back channel to the different intelligence agencies prior to 9-11 that was feeding him information. Hmm. And now... He's saying that he thinks they were feeding him information specifically on the hijackers, mm. the alleged hijackers. Um, he, ha- he doesn't have proof, but that that's what he thinks that he was uh, getting right. at the time. And it makes a lot of sense because people like Scooter Libby, uh, who was on Cheney's staff, was reading unvetted NSA transcripts, which is not the norm for people like him prior to 9-11 and after 9-11. So, you know, they were getting information and we don't know what information they were getting, but they were. And can you imagine if you have the information that 9-11 is going to happen or something like 9-11 is going to happen, what steps you could take to ensure the the success of of the attacks? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a position that can to be able to do something like that, which Dick Cheney was, you know, as far as the mili- having access to the military and the CIA right. and all of the wonderful alphabet agencies that we have that would be more than willing to do something like a 9 11. Yeah, I think uh, there's over a dozen. There's over a dozen intelligence agencies, right? I'm, that's just <laughs> the ones. That's just the ones we know about. There's 17, I believe. Yep. Altogether, and who knows what what they do? Um, but I mean, we know what the CIA does. But there's a organization called the Defense Intelligence Agency. Uh, John Judge, a mentor of mine, who was the founder of 9/11 Citizens Watch, used to say, "You can go into a bookstore and find hundreds of books on the CIA, and I challenge you to go into a bookstore and find more than five books." on the DIA, which has a larger budget than the CIA and is its own, you know, it's the military's intelligence service. Right. You know, who knows what they do? And this this was part of, I don't know if you remember the story of Abel Danger and another whistleblower by the name of uh, Tony Schaefer. Um, that was, he was from the DIA. No, I don't remember those two. Oh, the, yeah, there was a story that uh, an able, uh, a Pentagon team called Abel Danger identified four of the alleged hijackers a year before the attacks. Mm. Um, and that wasn't included in the 9-11 report. He was somebody that they spoke to and didn't include the information. See, the 9-11 Commission ignored and censored numerous whistleblowers you know the families fought to get Sibel Edmonds before the 9-11 commission they snuck her into a meeting 
between the families and the 9-11 Commission just so that she could hear or they could hear what she had to say. Um, <clears throat> you know, and she caused problems later. Years, years, years later, there were uh, website wars going on and she participated in it and it, you know, it didn't help her credibility, but right, you know, years ago she seemed as as credible as could be you know the inspector general said that she was wrongly fired mm -hmm. there were a number of things there were people coming forward saying that they corroborate you know part of her story and all that blah 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 but there were a number of whistleblowers um and patty casaza Who's a 9-11 family member? She's a she was a September 11th advocate or Jersey girl. She was on the 9-11 uh, family steering committee, which was a group of 12 family members that um, monitored the 9-11 commission that supplied them hundreds of well-researched questions to answer. Anyway, she said that she they met. They met whistleblowers on the side of the road in Maryland. And what they told them was that this government knew the day, the target, and the type of attack. Right. So, I mean, that didn't make the news for some reason. Right. And when I watched, I watched, um, you know, and looking at some of your stuff, I had watched that 9-11 uh, Press for Truth uh, movie for most of it. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, it went through where, um, you know, Bush and Cheney wanted to, you know, to the nine 11 commission or whatever, they wanted to testify together and they wanted to testify in secret. And then when they came out, reporters, you know, were asking what they discussed and they wouldn't even talk about anything they discussed. So. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I just had an experience because Prince Bandar, uh, his name has been brought up in news reports lately regarding 9-11. Hmm. One of the individuals that helped two of the alleged hijackers in San Diego answered directly to Prince Bandar. Hmm. <laughs> so, that's, so, so, that's Saudi, so that's Saudi Arabia, right? That's Saudi Arabia. And, hmm. you know, he said, he's someone who has said in the past that Saudi intelligence was following all the hijackers with, quote, hmm. precision. Mm. prior to the 9-11 attacks right um, and his name has come up in the news lately and that was one of the stories that came up so i wanted to contact 9-11 commissioner john lehman because he's apparently the one who during the uh time the 9-11 commission had with the president and vice president he asked him specifically about bandar and he quote dodged the questions End mm. quote. And that was, we found that out from Phil Sheenan in his book, The Commission. And recently, um, 10 years ago, a friend of mine by the name of Eric Larson, somebody who used to go to the National Archives weekly and get 9-11 Commission documents and scan them so that they could be placed online for everybody to have access to. Sure. He foiled for the memoranda for the record of Bush and Cheney's interview with the 9-11 Commission 10 years mm. ago. And it recently came out and they weren't prepared for it. It was funny as, as hell. You know, they didn't ask them certain things. They didn't bring up 
uh, Saudi Arabia and the families got on. Well, okay, here's what happened. I contacted 9-11 Commissioner John Lehman. The title of the entry that I created is 9-11 Commissioner John Lehman claims Phil Sheenan info is false information. So I sent forward a series of questions to John Lehman to answer. And here were the questions that I wrote. Sure. Number one, number one. By dodging the questions about Prince Bandar, Bush committed an obstruction of justice. Should he be held accountable for that crime? Number two, do you think that Karl Rove was the person pulling the strings of the 9-11 Commission through Philip Zelikow? Uh, news of this possibility prompted the Jersey Girls to call for an entirely new investigation into 9-11 in February of 2008. You can read about it here, and I supplied him the web, the link. They were the only they were the only news outlet to report that newsworthy information. Sadly, it was a raw story. Um, number three, do you think Philip Zelikow should be arrested for the part that he had to play in making sure the nine eleven commission was corrupt and compromised? Thank you so much for passing these questions along. Sincerest regards, John Gold. And they surprisingly responded. Um, this is what John Lehman had to say. Dear John, Dr. Lehman has read the questions that you submitted and has responded to each of them with the answer, no. The questions are based on false information. Sincerely, so and such and such. So he, he denied all of it. Mm. You know, the dodging of the questions and so forth. So when his MFR, when Bush and Cheney's MFR came out right after I contacted him, surprisingly, um, you know, it, it showed us that he wasn't or didn't ask the questions. So right. the, fam the families um, got on him and he's like, I did ask him the questions. He dodged the questions. He turned his back to me. You know, that's something else we learned. Right. Uh, because of the release of that MFR. Um, so, yeah, yes, speaking with John Lehman, um, you know, you, you were talking about Bush and Cheney testifying, so that's a little, right, yeah. I just saw that, yeah. I didn't know that the uh, that that interview or the or a uh, overview of that interview or whatever had come out, so that's interesting, yep. Um, and now, you know, another piece that I'd been hearing a little bit more about, and I think in your um in your your book with the interviews uh, we relied to about 9-11 uh, interviews, um, I think it was towards the beginning it discussed this, but, you know, with the during the pandemic and the CDC changing their guidelines all the time, and then with the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, uh, Ohio, um, and the EPA saying, you know, everything was fine, yeah. um, you know, there in the, you know, the debris cloud and the burning off of the vinyl chloride and everything, Um it kind of brought up this whole thing about the EPA, EPA's history of uh, lying, specifically well, uh, Christine Whitman telling New Yorkers that the post 9-11 air was safe. Um, I think I saw an article recently that she you know, apologized or something for that or said that she was wrong. No. But I mean, you know, this, yeah. is, this is 20 years later. Um, you also did an interview on that issue. Do you just want to talk about that and about getting justice, you know, working to get justice for oh, the victims and first responders and families and stuff? Well, I'll tell you the story. Uh, I wasn't aware of the issue of the environmental impact of 9-11. Uh, 
On September 9th, 2004, there were hearings held in New York City called the 9-11 omission hearings. Mm. They had family members and experts speak about the 9-11 issue. And it was two months after the release of the 9-11 report. One of the individuals to speak was Janet Orkin. And she started the World Trade Center Environmental Organization. Um, her son was at, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was at, was at the school that was near the World Trade Center. Right. Tri, um, was it Sky Vesson or Tri Vesson? I can't remember the name of the school. Sure. Um, and so she was concerned about the environmental impact and she did all this work and i'd never heard of any of this information that that people were getting sick and you know these were our heroes the 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 9-11 first responders and stuff like that right and so when i found out that we were lied or that they were lied to about their situation i incorporated their fight into mine and, you know, I'm the person who coined the, the phrase 9-11 truther. Mm. Okay? And I defined it by saying a 9-11 truther is somebody who fights alongside the 9-11 families seeking truth, accountability, and justice. A 9-11 truther is someone that fights alongside the 9-11 first responders seeking uh, or desperately seeking health care. And a 9-11 first responder is someone who is trying to put an end to the post 9-11 world and everything that entails by telling the truth, mm. something we have been denied by our government. You know, and I'm sorry that the phrase was so tarnished over the years. It became so bad that, you know, I eventually started to address myself as an advocate for 9-11 justice mm. as opposed to a 9-11 truther, even though I'm the one who coined the phrase. Right. <laughs> Right. My first book is named 9-11 Truther, The Fight for Peace, Justice, and Accountability. Um, anyway. Yeah, do you want to talk about some of the other, you know, I was I was oh, looking through all yeah, those interviews. No, no, no. no, go ahead. We, we could continue to talk about the environmental impact of 9-11. Each, each, every five years, it seems, the 9-11 first responders have to go to Washington, D.C. to fight to continue to get money that... You know, they they shouldn't have to fight for this stuff. This should have been given to them automatically based on just who they were and the work that they did. You know, right. the fact that nobody was held accountable and there was a judge, I think her last name was Bats, B-A-T-T-S, right. blasted Christy Todd Whitman, and I don't remember the wording. Okay. I mean, here's part of a story that I wrote. Um, a federal judge by the name of Deborah A. Batts. Wow, look at memory, the memory I have. See? Blasted her by saying, quote, no reasonable person would have thought that telling thousands of people that it was safe to return to lower Manhattan while knowing that such return could pose long-term health risks and other dire consequences was conduct sanctioned by our laws. Absolutely. Yep. Pretty clear. Yep. You know, she was blasted by the, you know, she wasn't, she didn't face any accountability as far as lawsuits or going to jail. Nope. Because look up the, the definition of second degree murder. And what they did was the, it, it fits the definition perfectly. Um, 
you know, by by knowingly putting people at risk, right? They, you know, they put people in harm's way, and thou over, I think three thousand have died already. I think no. Oh my God, the the amount of first responders that have died outnumbers the amount of people that died on nine eleven. Now, right? I forgot that news came out. Yeah, I, I mean it's. It's like so many things that's surprising, but it's also not surprising just because I know, you know, I mean, there were so many people down there. There were so many first responders down there. And you, I mean, even when you saw the air, I mean, to me, it was like, I mean, you know how old those buildings are. You know what's in there. I mean, it did not look safe to breathe, but you well, know, then she comes out and tries to convince people that it's safe, you know. You know, the whole reasoning behind all those lies was to reopen Wall Street. And this is well documented. Right. Obviously, you know, money is more important than people. Right. And that's a disgrace. It is. Um, that we have such a society. And, you know, you were talking about the EPA and the truck spill or something like that. But they, they did the same thing for Katrina. They mm-hmm. did the same thing for the Gulf oil spill. Yep. Making statements of, of you know, assuredness that things are okay and you know, and then what happened? People got sick. People along the Gulf yep. were getting sick. Um, I don't know, remember what happened with Katrina, but I'm sure people got sick. Yep. But the point is that they make false statements. And this is a government agency. Right. You know, and I look at, okay, so let's look at the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, which said that there was no... Uh, insider trading of 9-11. So how can we trust that government organization? Right. We really need, what we needed was, and this is is a quote, I believe, from the September 11th advocates. We needed an investigation outside of the reach of those with a vested interest in suppressing the truth. Right. So we needed people who weren't affiliated with these agencies to investigate these agencies. When the government investigates itself, what happens? The government gets let off the hook. Right. NORAD lied significantly about the 9-11 attacks, not just about their air response that morning, but about what their role was. And they, they, they flat out lied. And at the end of the 9-11 Commission, or month, actually months before the 9-11 Commission, the memo was written suggesting that the NORAD be referred to the Department of Justice for a criminal investigation. And that memo was sat on by Zelikow for months. And towards the end of the 9-11 Commission, they finally made a decision, a decision not to refer them to the, the Department of Justice but to refer them to the Department of Defense Inspector General's office. And the difference is an inspector general can only recommend that somebody be held accountable, whereas the Department of Justice can actually hold people accountable for lies and such. Well, yeah, that kind of brings me to my, do you want to just talk about some of the other, I mean, I know you did a lot of interviews and there's a lot of stuff to cover and you've been covering it a long time. Do you want to just touch on a few more of the biggest, um, you know, discoveries that you came across in your investigation and interviews about, you know, the ways that uh, we were lied to about 9-11? Oh, well, I tell people to keep it simple. 
you right. know, we're trying to reach a, a majority of people. We're trying to reach, um, uh, I forget what the phrase is, but enough people to actually bring about change concerning this issue. Right. So you want to keep it simple. And we were, you know, we were told that we were, the 9-11 report was sold to the world as the definitive account of 9-11. And that's one of the biggest lies that could ever be told. The 9-11 commission was absolutely corrupt and compromised. And it's not hard to find information to corroborate that. Um, that's a big lie. After 9-11, we were told repeatedly that there were no warnings. In fact, on the morning of 9-11, at about, at about 11 o'clock, when Air Force One, Ari Fleischer was asked, were there any warnings? And he said, quote, no warnings. And mm. so that's, you know, the... The story they followed after 9-11 was that there were no warnings and nobody had any idea that something like this could happen, that it was a complete surprise attack, that it was a new Pearl Harbor. And all of that, those are complete and flat out lies. Right. I mean, they, they absolutely prepare for such contingencies. I mean, there was something called the Dawson's Field hijackings in the 1970s where multiple planes were hijacked simultaneously there was another incident where something was hijacked within the united states um, and threatened to bomb a nuclear facility and that whole incident uh, changed federal regulations of concerning the, the response of hijackings and you know so they've had experience there were protocols written to deal with, and you don't need to know that these people planned to crash these planes into buildings to respond to them. Just right. their transponder signal going off is enough to, to go up there and see what's going on. You know, and they, they had protocols. They could have rocked their wings, maybe knocked the hijackers off their feet. Um, just so many things they could have done before the idea of a shoot down would right. take place. And that didn't happen on 9-11. Protocols that were in place for years simply were not followed on 9-11. Right. And, it, and you know, and it didn't end with, uh, you know, like we mentioned, you know, after the uh, after the attack and the um, towers came down, the, you know, the lies from the EPA about the safety of the area. And then you had, you know, ongoing still, you know, you mentioned before Cindy Sheehan, um, you know, you obviously had ongoing lies about, you know, who was behind the attack and what connections there were. Oh there was God. the move to go and, uh, you know, displace uh, millions of people and kill tens of thousands of people in Iraq, um, you know, that came out of that, which is where uh, Cindy Sheehan's uh, son was killed, a member of the military. Um, sure. Right. So, you know, and then this, you know, and then, like you said, the ongoing cover up of all these lies that were told, um, you know, continues to this day. That was a huge lie that right. Saddam Hussein had anything to do with 9-11. Right. There was a poll that was released years ago that said 85% of the soldiers serving in Iraq thought they were there because of Saddam's role in the 9-11 attacks. Can right. you imagine what they were being told 
what propaganda they were being told at the time. And there were, there were polls in the United States, upwards of you know 70% of people thinking that Saddam had something to do with 9-11. Right. You know, and now they deny that they ever made that claim. I, I have a video of Condoleezza Rice on the Charlie Rose show saying, we never did a, such a thing. <laughs> you know, yep. but how did that happen? How did those people, you know, think that he was responsible uh, if they never did such a thing? Yep. So. I mean, uh, the propaganda is heavy, you know, in this country. It's, uh, and, you know, so it's no wonder that they, that they were able to corrupt the idea of, you know, 9-11 truth or a 9-11 truther and make it, you know, convince people that it's completely, you know, it wasn't, or whatever. You have to understand something. It wasn't just Afghanistan and Iraq that were affected after 9-11. After 9-11, there was something called the 2001 Authorization for Use of Military Force that was written right. to give Bush the authorization to go after those specifically responsible for the 9-11 attacks. And that AUMF was used to bomb, you know, so many places, um, the Smithsonian Institute had a map that showed we were currently uh, involved in 80 different countries mm -hmm. because of the, as a result of the war on terror. Right. We were operating in 80 different countries. Um, I, I can't imagine what we've done. And we used that AMU, AUMF to justify warrantless wiretapping. I mean, there's a whole list of things. Barbara Lee, Representative Barbara Lee, talked about there were 37 different things that the AUMF was used for as besides just going after, you know, those responsible for the 9-11 attacks. Right. And anybody that we killed, all the millions that we killed, wounded, displaced, tortured, you know, uh, they had absolutely nothing to do with the attacks. Right. Nothing. Yep. And it's disgusting. It's called collective punishment and it's a war crime. When you you know hold people, families, countries, neighborhoods, whatever accountable for the actions of a few, you're committing collective punishment. And that's a war crime. It is. I mean, we committed so many different war crimes over the last 20 years. We've pushed Russia into doing what they've done. I don't even don't even get me started sure. on that. You know, I'm somebody who's followed the news religiously for the past 20 years. And when you do that, you begin to see real trends. And right. I saw the, the different trends of the anti-Russian sentiment grow right. exponentially after 9-11. Yep. You know, do you remember at the fall of the Soviet Union? We were told repeatedly that Russians we're now our friends. Right. You know, that was pushed for about a, a decade. And then 9-11 happened. And, the, you know, the first thing Bush does is he gets rid of the anti-ballistic missile treaty that Putin mm. told Bush in July of 2001 was important to maintain. Right. Um, well, now we see the anti-China sentiment, of course, too, coming, uh, yeah. you know, on the, on, the, on the horizon here as part of the... Uh, this has been the end game. The end game all along has been Russia and China. Look at the last 20 years. We completely destabilized the Middle East in, the, in Russia's backyard. We scooped up right. former Soviet states along the border, some of which along the border of Russia, 
in into NATO. Right. You know, can you imagine how apeshit this country would go if there was a Russian military base on the border of our country? Look what happened during the Cuban Missile Crisis, how apeshit this country went. Right. Um, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Afghanistan borders China, right? So that's another, yeah. that's part, I mean, you know, it's a small a border. Well, I, I know, mean, there was the Russian-Georgia War in 2008 where, you know, it was blamed on Russia, but it was found out that it was Georgia that fired the first shot. Mm-hmm. And we found out that Cheney may have had a, a lot to do with that war. Um, you know, and then 2004, oh, Russia and, I'm sorry, Saudi Arabia and the United States attempted to bankrupt Russia using oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that didn't work. Uh, we tried to take out, We well, we did take out uh, Russia's allies, Syria and Iran, essentially, you know, right. we 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 essentially went to war in Syria to try and take out Assad, and who knows what we're still doing in that country. Um, we had this war using Saudi Arabia as a proxy in Yemen against Iran. Right. I don't know if you remember. I, right, and I just watched a documentary about the um, the digital war against Iran's uh, nuclear program um, right. that you know essentially blew. Well, essentially destroyed all, a lot of their, um, you know, civilian nuclear program. They went after, you know, somebody, what you know, uh, went after, you know, Iran's nuclear scientists as well. Well, Usually Um, Israel or the United States. Right, exactly. That is somebody, either Israel or the United States, most likely went after Iran's scientists. You know, so, I mean, this is an ongoing thing. You know, I mean, the, the, um, I mean, and I think that's the other important thing to, to, to point out, right? Why, you know, some people say, why are you still talking about this? Well, the point is that this wave, this ripple of, you know, all the lies and cover-ups and government, U.S. government corruption of, you know, coming out of 9-11, it's all still ongoing, you know. It is. And, you know, all these wars that we're still involved in, I still call them the 9-11 wars because we haven't been out of war since 9-11. Right. You know, and on, and people called 9-11 the new Pearl Harbor. But I, I say... That 9-11 was America's Reichstag fire. Mm. Um, because there's just so much information to suggest, you know, 9-11 was a war or a crime. It wasn't an act of war. And right. as with every crime, there are suspects for that crime. Right. And elements within our government and other governments have, have because of their own actions, because of their own actions, have more than earned the title of suspect. For the crime of 9-11. That's the reality of the situation. It is. Uh, and, you know, people would say they would never. They would never do such a thing. So they would never lie about the air quality down at ground zero, causing upwards of right. 7,000 people to get sick and over 3,000 to have died. These people don't give a shit about us. George Carlin said that, they don't care about us at all, at it's all, true. at all, you know, and he's right. Well, I really appreciate you talking with me today. Um, you know, there's a few minutes left here. Is there any, is there anything oh, else you wanted to share? Yeah, here? There ahead. is something right now. There is the families are, who are attempting to sue Saudi Arabia are at a, uh, a critical point uh, just 
Judge George Daniels is going to decide whether or not the Saudis' argument of sovereign immunity is enough to throw out the lawsuit. And, um, you know, we should try to write him and tell him um, he should allow the lawsuit against Saudi Arabia to continue. Sure. That the 9-11 families deserve their day in court. You know, if you're right, don't be venomous. Just keep it simple and to the point. And if you want to write to him, it's Judge George Daniels at 500 Pearl Street, New York, New York, 10007. So write to him and ask him to allow the lawsuit to continue. If there's nothing to hide, present the evidence, right? Exactly. Well, I really appreciate the chance to talk with you, John. Oh, thank you, Nick, for having me on today and for the opportunity to tell people about what's going on. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care. And that's our special interview. Thanks for listening. Solidarity. This has been a Socialist News and Views special interview.